This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, brought to you by 180TAC. Get out there and have some fun. Episode number 256, Todd Lewis teaches us how to overcome and run 100 miles. Hi friends, before we start the show today, pop on over to members.adventuresportspodcast.com and you can see there our membership site and all the great deals that are waiting for you. Thank you so much for helping to support the show by becoming members of the Adventure Sports Podcast community. We really appreciate it and you can save far more there than the membership costs. Just our way of saying thank you very much. We're looking forward to getting to know you better through the membership site. And now on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast. Kurt Linville here. Hey, I have an ultra runner on the horn today, Todd Lewis from Altoona, Pennsylvania. Todd is a father and a husband. He says he's just an average guy, works a 40-hour a week, but man, has he done some amazing feats with ultra running and he's here to share with us how you can do that too, which is pretty cool. Todd has uh, finished a 100-miler. He's done 100Ks. He's done multiple 50s. He's done a 70.5 Lower Highlands Ultra. He ran over 2,000 miles in 2016 alone. So I think he's a guy that has some experience with it. Todd, welcome to the program. Hey, thank you for having me, Kurt. Yeah, it's great to have you, Todd. You know... Every now and then we get to interview an ultra runner, and I think it's really, really cool. Some people might say, well, that's running. Is that really an adventure sport? But I think it really is, because when you start doing these sorts of distances, um, you run into a lot of the same challenges that you would if you were doing some major expedition, or even more so, and you often find yourself running through the night, running through some beautiful areas where you get to take in nature and that sort of thing. So I think it fits right in. What, What would you say to that? I agree with you 100%. You're out one with nature, whether you're hiking, walking, running, you're out You're out enjoying it. So I have to ask you straight out of the chute, what's it like to run 100 miles? The run of 100 miles is very humbling. It's when you see that carrot out there and you keep falling short and you you keep going after it and after it. And once you finally finish, to say that you are a 100-mile finisher where you're part of a group that you know um, a lot of people will try and a lot of people will not make it. I was fortunate enough to make it. I was fortunate enough to have a family that backed me to make it. And it was probably one of the most amazing accomplishments that I ever done in my life. Mm, That's got to feel good. So you mentioned before we started recording here that you were not always a runner, that this is something that you started up a little bit later and you've been married for 17 years. You're helping to raise your son and working full-time. It's tough. It's tough to get going with that. So share the backstory a little bit. Um, who were you before, and how did you get into running? Well, I was, you know, your your typical guy who worked 40 hours a week. I smoked two, almost two packs of cigarettes a day. I was Ouch. overweight. And when the doctor tells you, Hey, you better change something and or you're not going to be around for your family. You know, it's a big eye opener. So Mm. I used to run in high school and 
I figured, yeah, I could do it again. So laced up my shoes and I went out and I thought I could do a mile run really easy. Well, that mile run was the hardest thing I've done for a while. <laughs> and it, I started to build it up and then, you know, I was like, yeah, maybe run's not the thing. So I just went back to smoking and, and then it, I had a wake up call and I signed up for my first 5k with my in-laws. Um, and before the race started, I went out and I smoked two cigarettes before the race started. <laughs> Towed the line with all these younger kids. And when the gun went off, I took off with them. And I'm like, yeah, this isn't hard. I haven't lost anything. By the time I hit the turnaround, I hit the wall. Ended up walking pretty much to the west way back. And I was like, oh, man, age is starting to show. And <laughs> <laughs> so me, I am not one to quit. If I fail at something, I will keep going and going until I succeed. And that's what I did. I quit smoking. Um, I started training. And lo and behold, I started winning my age group in the local 5Ks. And that was so satisfying for me just to say, hey, you know, I did it. I changed my life around. And it's a lifestyle change from eating non-healthy to healthy to training and having your family back you it's it's a positive change and it enabled me to finish my 100 miler years later that's cool i have to ask a couple of questions but one here is that when someone takes on an adventure sport of any sort i think that it can impact all aspects of life positively so when you started running again and you got back in shape and you started winning the 5k's how do you think that impacted the rest of your life? Um, it made me, uh, my work ethic a lot better. It made me more positive. Like I, I wasn't depressed cause, Oh my goodness, I can't tie my shoes or cause my stomach's so big, you know? And once you start buying clothes that actually fit better than instead of buying baggy clothes to hide what you're, you're trying to hide from everybody. Um, it's a positive thing for everybody, your family, like you send positive vibes around you. And I think that like it, it attracts people when people, see, when people see you doing something positive, you know, more people are going to come and try to be that positive person. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So another question about a 5k specifically, I have heard it said that the 5k might be the worst race ever invented. Yes, it is. Cause it's an all out sprint. 3.1 miles <laughs> i mean it's in my mind it's too long to sprint but it's too short not to try exactly that, that would kill me <laughs> yes yeah that's it, funny it's a hard race to train for mm. so then you started doing longer races what is your favorite distance my favorite distance would be the 50k wow um by the way you've run a few marathons how many have you done um five or six uh certified races uh, but i have run over 30 for training runs wow <laughs> i guess that's what it takes so why do you like 50 so well the the 50k it's it's fast it's uh challenging it's rewarding and it doesn't take all day long to complete mm, i think it might take me all day long to complete <laughs> and then some <laughs> so how long does it take to run a 50K? Um, for the the elites, the faster people, under five hours. For me, the average Joe, I'm a middle of a pack runner. 
I am the type of guy who's hanging in the middle, enjoying the day, having fun, talking to everybody. Um, six and a half hours, seven hours. Now I've run them faster. I have run under a six hour 50 K. Well, that's, that's crazy impressive. So here's another thing that people may not realize a lot of, um, a lot of ultra distance races are kind of on, on trails instead of, you know, yeah. And, and so you're running up hills and down hills and you can have some difficult terrain in there. What is it like? Um, it's challenging. You're when you're running the road, you it's you know you don't have to look at your feet. You're pretty much staring straight ahead, picking them up, put them down. You don't have to use your hip flexors a lot. You can just run smooth. Whereas trails, you're jumping, dodging rocks, logs, climbing hills, running down hills. So you're using a lot of different muscles. And I'm not knocking road runners. Trust me, it's hard running a road. But with trail running. It's just there's a lot more technical thrown into it. Mm. So I have to ask about trail running because I, I think some people that are road runners look at it and they think, isn't that a great way to break an ankle, blow out a knee? I mean, is, is that common with trail running? Um, yes, you roll your ankles, you <laughs> you hurt your knees. I've fallen. I've I've had uh, quite a few spills where I've been lucky. Um, I, I have friends who have fallen and really have done some damage. Um, but it's just like road running, you're, you're dodging cars. I've, oh, yeah. I've been almost hit oh, numerous times on the road from people not paying attention. Whereas trail running, you got to pay attention. Well, let's rewind a little bit here. Um, why do running, why do ultra running? Give us a good reason that this is a worthwhile pastime. For me, I've, I've grown up outdoors since I was a, a young child, and I've been outdoors, lived outdoors. And for me, being on the trail running, is, is, it's like let me be a kid again. I love seeing sunsets. I love seeing sunrises. And you're actually seeing views that a lot of people will never see. And, it, it, and to me, it's very humbling. I can clear my mind on a trail. Um, in 2014, my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer, mm. and me being able to run was my way of dealing with it. Now, she was she's the warrior. She beat cancer. Um, in 2015, she had a double mastectomy, and that was hard on everybody because you're like, why, you know, why us? Right. But we were able to find out what our family was made of, and having her strength just it helped me um do what i do because i was able to clear my mind out on my runs and then like focusing on what we needed to do to get her better sure and she beat cancer she's cancer free and it's just it's being outdoors instead of sitting inside when you're thinking what ifs, what ifs, what ifs. But when you're outside, for me, it was, okay, what what do we need to do? Yeah, I get it. Man, that that sounds like a tough thing to go through. And, you know, I'm going to paraphrase this, not your experience with a, a horrible battle with your wife's cancer. I mean, that's that's something that no one should have to go through, but it's real life. But just the fact that everyone encounters stress in their lives, challenges, and what you're saying is that running gave you the time you needed to process and the stress relief to allow you to be more effective. 
Is that exactly. right? Exactly. You know, and that to me is one of the biggest advantages of being active in, in any way, but doing an adventure sport that you love is because it can make us more effective to deal with everything else in life. You're absolutely right. I mean, there's been times when I've been on, out, out on a run and thinking of work and then it's like, it just clicks. I need to do this or I should do this. And, you know, it's, it's like a breakthrough because you're, you know, you're thinking clearly and it, it's helped my job tremendously. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. I also have found personally, Todd, that some of the challenges that I faced climbing mountains or on a longer backpacking trip or, or even on a distance road ride on my bike, some of the challenges that I've overcome kind of taught me something about myself. And then when I face challenges in, in other parts of life, I think, you know what, I can do this because I did that. So do you feel that way too? I, yes, I do. Let's talk about your hundred mile journey. It's a long journey. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell us that story. I mean, running a marathon is huge. And I want to, before we're done here, I want you to give us some tips on how people can start running and maybe even get up to their first marathon. But I want to hear your story about the 100 miler. Take it to right. that level. Well, back in 2012, I ran my first ultra. My buddies convinced me, hey, let's go. Let's do, go do this 50K. And I'm like, that is so far. There's no way, you know? So we went and I had a blast. So then the following year, I signed up for the Laurel Highland 70.5. And there was four of us from our area who went out to do that race. And all four of us finished, right which on. is pretty cool results. Oh, yeah. But I was the guy who got sick. I was probably mile 18 or so, and I, I just started throwing up. And I'll, I called my wife. I'm like, hey, you're going to have to come get me. I'm not going to be able to finish this. And I think it was just taking in, oh my God, I'm running 70 miles. And I just, I like my stress level just got too high and I got, you know, I was nauseous and like, I couldn't get a, get my, get everything together. So it, I think it was around mile 39, I was able to see my wife and my son and my son says, dad, are you quitting? Mm. And I looked at him and I'm like, you know, I don't want him to see his dad quit. So I'm like, no, I'm not quitting. And I just, I one foot in front of the other. I just started moving one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other. And I actually finished that race and I actually made up an hour and 13 minutes on two of my buddies. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so we all, f we all finished almost around the exact same time, which was pretty neat. Well, congratulations. What a neat story. Thank you. So my father-in-law says to me, so what did you think? And I'm like, I'm never running any further than that ever again. Well, two weeks later, I signed up for my first 100-miler race. <laughs> that resolve didn't last very long there, Todd. <laughs> no, it did not. <laughs> so I started training, and race day comes, and I didn't know what to expect. I really didn't. And... I did a lot of rookie mistakes. You know, I wore shoes that I shouldn't have wore. I, I wasn't worried about my, my hydration or my fuel. I just ran. Well, I was doing great thinking I was going to do better than what I even anticipated when the wheels completely fell off. My feet were trashed. I, I, had, I had a hard time walking. 
And at mile 62 aid station, uh, that's where we were able to pick up a, a, a pacer. And while sitting there, I changed shoes. I was in so much pain. When I stood up, I passed out. Oh. <laughs> and my family was there to see this. So I, I came back through. I changed my shoes again. And my son was there. And if you, if you just saw the look on my son's face, like, oh, my word, what's going on? I told him, I said, give me a hug. I'm going to go back out there. And he was like, okay. So he gave me a hug. He went with me for a short distance while me and my, my pacer went. And after we got back out onto the trail, I realized I was done. I mean, I had nothing in the tank. My feet were completely gone. So we saw headlights up ahead and because there was a road. And the guy said, you guys want to ride back? And I'm thinking, yes, that sounds great. And then it dawns on me you're quitting. You don't want to quit. So I, I turned around and said, no, we're going to keep on going. So we kept trudging forward one foot in front of the other. Well, we got caught by the, the, the sweepers. Mm-hmm. I was too slow to keep moving. So I got caught by the sweepers. So I came into the aid station and I had three minutes to get what I need and get out. Well, those three minutes went by, and, you know, aid stations closed. Nobody can move on. And I, I just, I started shaking, you know, I was like, Oh my God, it's over. You know, the pain's going to be over. And my, my pacer says to me, Hey, you never quit. You just ran out of time. <laughs> and I was like, you're right. You, you are right. <laughs> so I got my first taste of the hundred mile distance and, and it was a bitter taste. But like I said before, I don't quit. Like I, I learn from my mistakes. So in 2014, I pretty much did the same race schedule. I did the Laurel Highlands, uh, 70 and a half again. Um, but this year, that year I had, that's the year we found out my wife had breast cancer. So that was my new, my new, um, one foot in front of the other. I'm doing this for her. You know, if she can deal with what she's going to deal with, I'm going to deal with the distance I'm going to run. So my year was going great. I finished, uh, the Laurel race faster than the previous year. I came into my hundred miler. I was having the race of my life after mile around mile 52. I do believe it was I, my foot hit a rock or root or a pipe or something. And I went down hard and I hit a rock. My knee hit off a rock. And when I got up, my whole body was just one solid cramp. And I'm like, Oh man, so I started running. Well, I had so much pain in my knee that I couldn't run. I was like, oh, no, my race is over. Like I knew right then and there my 100-mile race was over. And so I kept moving. I kept going forward, kept going forward. But my time was so slow. It was taking me so long to get going. And I wasn't making up any ground. And I actually got off course, and I heard the voices of – other trail runners and it brought me back onto the course and once i came out uh, the hundred i do you have to do a loop um around a park and when i got there there was a gentleman i know and he's like come on todd how bad do you want it how bad do you want that hundred miler and i'm like you know what i want it so bad but i can't be hurt for my wife you know she's we're going to have a long road ahead of us with what she has to deal with i can't be the one hurt so I came into the aid station and my wife was there and she, I told her about my fall and everything. Cause they knew I was, cause I was way behind schedule when I, when I should have been there. And I told her what happened 
And she's like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I'm done. I quit. Now I quit because I was hurt. You know, I didn't quit because I didn't think I could do it. I quit because I was physically hurt and I needed to be strong for her, for what we had to go through. And so it was another year. It was another DNF, but I learned again, you know, it can change in a heartbeat. You know, it was just like when Aaron was diagnosed with breast cancer, it changed in a heartbeat. You know, you don't know what you're going to be given. And so I learned from that. So 2015, same race schedule, but this time I DNF'd in a lot of my races and a lot of had to do with cramping. I couldn't, I did Laurel again. It was another hot year and I had to stop because of cramps. I couldn't move. I mean, I was locked up on the trail. Couldn't take one step. Wow. Um, that year, the hundred miler, um, is training runs. I, I, I felt great, but what happened that year is I slipped on a bridge and I tore my quad in, <laughs> oh, in 2000, 2015. Okay. And I wanted to finish so bad. Like I, I, I switched my training into cycling, you know, just trying to use different muscles. But what I ended up having is I slipped on a bridge, tore my quad, um, but I kept moving. It wasn't fast, but I was able to keep moving. And I made it to mile 73, I think it was, is when I, I finally bailed. I couldn't take the pain anymore. The downhills were killing me. <laughs> I can so, imagine. Wow. So, so there, you know, 2015 was another year of another drops. So I couldn't run the, the race. The hundred miler I do is the oil Creek 100 and it's in October. And so October, the rest of October, November, December, I didn't run at all. And I had to let my quad heal. And in the meantime, I'm thinking of a way to, uh, what I need to do to finish. So I said to my wife and my son, I'm like, listen, if I'm going to finish this hundred miler, I need to stick to a training plan because I've never stuck to a training plan. I just ran. I just go out and run. So I found a training plan and I stuck to it. Um, when Laurel Highlands come around in June, I already had over a thousand miles in and I finished that race and I felt amazing. Oil Creek comes around and I finished my first hundred miler. Yay. So how many years <laughs> did it take? <laughs> it was, uh, four years. It took me to finish my hundred miler. Wow. At Oil Creek. Um, but I got sick. And I was, um, I was, I started to panic, like, oh my God, something else is going to happen that I'm not going to finish. And I said to my pacer, I said, please don't tell my family that I am throwing up. (laughs) Man, how do you keep going when you're just completely spent anyway, and then you're tossing your cookies? I mean, yeah, my motto is one foot in front of the other. Wow. And I just, it was just one foot in front of the other. And. I was sick. I mean, I could not run. Every time I'd run, I'd throw up. So it was more like a real fast power hike. And I hit an aid station and I asked, all I wanted was a piece of gum just to get that taste out of my mouth. And the guy gave me a piece of gum and it was spearmint. And I don't know (laughs) if it was the mint that calmed my stomach or what it was, but shortly after I was able to run. And then I know I turned around to talk to my pacer. Well, I dropped my pacer. <laughs> wow. So 
I so I slowed down. You know, we got back together, and he was like, "Holy, Toddzilla is back!" <laughs> <laughs> so it starts. The new day starts to come, and it was like everything just shut off and turned back on. And I was a new person. I was running like there was nothing wrong. Now, granted, I was tired. Don't get me wrong. I was tired. Um, and I started passing people. And when you pass somebody, it's just a little bit of more, you know, you're going to do this. You're going to do this. And we, we came out and onto the Drake well loop. And he says to me, you have seven more miles and you're going to finish your hundred miler, you know? Uh And that's like, and that's like, wow, I am going to do this. So I came in, I changed my shoes. I was ready to go. Um, my families are cheering me on and I go and I take off and I do the seven mile loop. Now it's called the hill of truth. And the reason why they call that is because it's a pretty nasty hill, but it's nothing major. But when you have that many miles on your feet, it's like you're climbing Mount Everest. But so I come down out and there's a, the last, I think it's the last mile and a half is a bike path. And my main goal was to finish, but another personal goal was to do it under 30 hours. And when I came out and he's like, listen, dude, if you're going to finish this under 30 hours, you need to run and run fast. And I'm like, I'm done. You know, (laughs) I have nothing in the tank. So that, then he said to me, well, there's a surprise waiting for you at the end of this bike path. Your son's there waiting for you to run you in. And that's all it took. I I was gone road running for him. I was out. I was gone. (laughs) And when I came out of the, the end of the bike path, there was my son. He come running down off the curb for my mother-in-law and he said, dad, you're going to finish. Uh, I broke down and cried like I was a 10 year old, you know? So I made the turn and my son said to me, dad, slow down. I can't keep up with you. (laughs) And I'm like, come on, buddy, we're going to finish this. He's like, dad, let my hand, I, I, I can't keep up with you. So I let his hand go and I made the turn and there I saw the clock. It read 29:59:48. Oh. I crossed the finish line in 259 59. <laughs> <laughs> no way. Yeah. Oh, what a great story. Yeah, it was awesome. And so I collapsed to the ground cuz I was just I had so many emotions going through my body. I didn't know, you know, so I collapsed and at Oil Creek, the race director hands you your buckle. You know, he gives it to everybody that crosses that finish line. He is there for the whole event. So I'm laying on the concrete and he lays down beside me and says, here's your buckle. <laughs> you know, it was pretty cool. The best thing of it, though, was when I was laying there, I had my eyes closed and I hear my wife saying, Todd, Todd, what's wrong? You know, <laughs> she's standing above me and I opened my eyes and like, oh my God, I finished. And she said, yes, you did. And when I got up, all my friends were there that I run with. It was, because it, it's a, they have three different races. And a lot of my friends that I run with did, you know, we run these races all the time. And they were there to celebrate my finish with me, which was awesome. You know, and that monkey was on my back for a long time, and I was finally able to get rid of it. I, it humbled me so much that the stress of, oh my, I don't know if I can finish a 100-miler. You can finish a 100-miler. It may take you four years, but you can do it. 
Bentgate Mountaineering, located in Golden, Colorado, has been outfitting backcountry travelers for the last 20 years. Winter is in full swing, and it's prime time to check out the latest in alpine touring, telemark, NTN, and split boarding gear. Bentgate carries the premier brands, including Black Crows, DPS, Dinafit, G3, Icelandic, K2, Rocky Mountain Underground, Rosignol, Solomon, Voli, Never Summer, and Jones. With more people in the backcountry than ever, it's crucial to be prepared. Bentgate has the latest in avalanche safety gear from beacons to airbags. Come in and they will set you up with a proper gear and point you in the right direction to educate yourself on snow safety. If you don't own the gear, Bentgate offers a full range of rental and demo equipment, including the latest skis, boots, split boards, beacons, shovels, and probes. Bentgate also hosts free demo ski days at local resorts to give you a hands-on opportunity to ride the latest gear. Be sure to check bentgate.com for their full product selection as well as updates on all of their events. The 180 Flame is the ideal alternative to bulky and fragile gas-burning camp stoves. The 180 Flame utilizes fewer parts with minimal weight and maximized reliability. The locking tab and slot design means there are no hinges, welds, or rivets to fail you in the field. Cook your food and boil water quickly using only small amounts of natural fuels including twigs, grass, pine cones, and leaves. Weighing just 6.4 ounces, the 180 Flame is the ideal alternative to a backpacking stove. You can find your new Flame at 180tac.com or a retailer near you. 180 Flame. Think big, pack small. inspirational Todd this is this is amazing but to hear the backstory about how you had that personal goal and how hard you worked for years to overcome it that is so exciting yes and sometimes I I still have to think did that really happen you know yes it happened I have the buckle to prove that you know (laughs) (laughs) I am an ordinary guy who finished a hundred mile race and there's a lot of them out there. There's sure. a lot of ordinary people who you don't have to be an elite athlete to be able to accomplish this kind of stuff. Well, let's go there then. I like that segue. What if someone's interested in taking up running? And just for for giggles, let's say they want to run their first marathon. How do they get started? How do they build up the strength and the stamina to actually pull that off? If you want to get started in your first marathon, whether it be a road marathon or trail marathon, where I live, we have running groups. And when I first started road running, I got into our, our, a running group. Every weekend, we'd have runs together. 
throughout the week, it was pretty much you, you know, you did your own thing, but on Saturdays and Sundays, the group ran together for our long runs. So if you weren't feeling it, if you weren't feeling the, the 10 mile run, you had somebody there beside you to pull you along because you know, if you're by yourself, it's easy to quit. Sure. And when you run with a group, the, the camaraderie that is built between you and your fellow runners, I mean, it's powerful and to be able to share that with them. So yeah, I can do this. It's, but a lot of people are, are intimidated by it and it's, there's, you shouldn't be. Everybody's there to, for one reason, and that's to make you healthier, not to say I run that faster than you did. And if you're in it for that way, you're in it for the wrong reasons. Mm. But if you want to run your first marathon, find a training program that works for you and follow it and, and get with a group of runners and stick with that group of runners. You'll become best friends. Trust me. A lot of my best friends now are people I started running with. Well, I, I told you my story just before, you know, we started recording here that I had had bronchitis this winter and then it yes. just really shut me down. Yes. And I, I'm going to be really transparent here, Todd. I went out last week and decided to go for a run for the first time. It's the first time moving in over three months. And I decided I was just going to run a couple of miles and I was going to try to take it easy. Of course, I don't know how to take it easy, but bottom line was I got home from that little two mile run and I could barely walk up and down the stairs. I couldn't believe it how spanked I was. So that's that's what this winter did to me. Now, how do I get from that to being able to run a significant distance again? Like if I want to run a 14er this summer, what do I need right. to do? What you need to do is you don't need to start out running two miles. Go out for a walk. And then the next day, go out for your walk and throw in a little bit of a run with it. And then then just do that the rest of the, the, rest of the week. I, I recommend the 10% rule. Don't run more than 10% the following week. And when you're able to run a mile, run a mile. Whenever you feel comfortable, add a half a mile to that. And then whenever your body, your, your lungs and everything are built back up, you should be able to run two miles with no problem at all. Um, Rome wasn't built in a day. You're not going to be able to go out and run you know, a half marathon without training and not hurt. I am not, like I said, I never followed a program before a, tra- a training program, but once I did and found out how well it works, they're there for a reason. Use them. If you can, the program I have, I run three days a week and then both days on the weekend. And I have two recovery days and those recovery days I can, you know, work out, swim, bike, do whatever, but I'm not running. I'm off the, the, the pavement or the trails. Right. What would you say about injury avoidance? And I bring that up because in my years of running in the past, that was always something that haunted me. I would always end up with a bad knee or something. Injury-wise, if you feel a problem coming on, stop. Don't keep going. If you're you're out for a two-mile run and you get a mile half in and you get a a sharp pain in your knee and it does not want to go away, stop. Now, it it may go away on its own, but there's... There's a reason why there's pain. Ice it. I'm a huge Epsom salt bath person. After my long run, I love soaking in Epsom salts. It seems to take all the soreness out. Hmm. But my thing is, if I feel something coming along, uh, I'll take a break. 
if I'm starting to get uh, shin splints or something, okay, I'm I'm doing too much too fast. I take a you know I dial it back a little bit. Uh, for instance, beginning of this year, after my I did a uh, 50 miler in November, and then I said, you know what, I'm done running for the rest of the year. I ran enough. Now I went out and I did a few runs, and then when January started around or came back around, I started running again. Well, I started getting some shin splints, and I'm like, what the heck? You know, I just ran over 2,000 miles. Why am I getting <laughs> shin splints? And the reason being is because I jumped into it. My first run was like 13 miles where I should have dialed it back a little bit. But, you know, just being a little bit of cocky, I'm human, you know. Your body's a machine, and whenever you train your body to do what you want it to do, it's going to do it. But once you stop, it's going to stop. <laughs> sure. And so – you just got to take it easy once you start back into it. So my, my suggestion is start slow. Well, I've got to ask about shoes as well. How important is the right pair of tennis shoes? Running shoes. Your shoes are, are your lifeline. If you don't have the right shoes, you're going to have all kinds of problems. And your shoes may look brand new. You may have 300 miles on them, but they're done. I have so many shoes <laughs> that look like I just purchased them off the shelf, but they're what I use them for. They're they're no good to me anymore. Well, how do you know when they're worn out? Um, me personally, I get um, shin pain. I'll know when my shoes are out when I get start to get shin pain in a certain spot on my my leg. And so, now, what's happening is the the cushion and the sole of the shoes breaking down, right? The correct. Okay, and you can't even see that. No, you can't. So how do you get fitted for shoes? Um, I go to a local. We have a we have a local running store, and they uh, they they look at the way you run and whether you need uh, whether you're a neutral runner, a, uh, a person that needs support, and I stick with those shoes. I don't change shoes. Like I don't try anything new. Hmm. You find something that works, then you're going to stick with it. Yes. If uh, if I find a pair of shoes that I like, I'll buy two or three pairs, and I rotate them in and out. So they last longer. Yeah. So there's another thing. You mentioned cramping up on several of these runs. Yes. And you said that, that that's kind of been your big challenge is cramping. Yes. And I actually met you through the pickle juice people. Yes, and, you did. <laughs> and so... I would like to hear the story about how you manage cramping and how you uh, came to know these pickle juice people. Uh, in 2015, um, I was out doing a training run at Oil Creek for the 100 miler and came up on this guy who had this green stuff floating around in his hydration bottle. And I'm like, what are you drinking? He's like, pickle juice. And I'm like, what? And he said, ever since I started drinking pickle juice, my cramps have gone away. And I'm like, are you serious? I'm the king of calf cramps. Like, it didn't no matter what I did, what nutrition I took, I always got calf cramps. And he's like, ever since I started drinking this stuff, the, my cramps went away. So during my 2015 miler, I, I took pickle juice with me, and I did not have a single cramp, but I tore my quad. Mm. So, so. On oh, my downtime, I'm like, man, I gotta, I gotta figure out a way to market this for for ultra running. And while searching it, I came across the pickle juice company, and I'm like, oh my word, they have it already established. 
I, I can't believe this. this is actually someone actually has this. Yeah, this is a thing already. Yes. <laughs> so I, I sent them an email and I said who I was that, you know, I was an ultra runner and I found out that pickle juice helps with cramps and they were ecstatic. They're like, Oh, you know, where they, they were, they have a, a lot of cyclist supporters and they had some runners, but I don't think it like hit the running community yet. And I was like, I would love to be an ambassador for your product if you didn't have that. And they did. Uh, Philip was like, yes, this is awesome. We'd love to have you. So they sent me samples and I tried it. Me personally, I love the taste of, I love pickles. I love the taste of pickle juice. For some, they don't like it. <laughs> but so they, they sent me their product and it was a, it, it changed my running around. I have run from 2016 till now cramp free. I have not had one cramp wow. since I've been drinking this. And for me, that's pretty amazing. So is this a product that you drink during the run, before the run, after the run? Um, How do you use bef- it? Before my run, I will drink a pickle juice shot. I will drink one concentrated shot before I, I get going. And what I do is I fill up um, an eight ounce bottle and I put it in my, my running flask and I take it with me. And I'm, I'm a big Tailwind user for my nutrition. So I, while I'm drinking my Tailwind, I will take a sip of pickle juice every once in a while. And it keeps like, it keeps the cramps at bay. I have not had one twinge anything while using this product. So when I am done running, I, when I come home, I will drink another pickle juice shot, which is the concentrated version. And it, and it enables me to uh, carry on my day with, without walking through the store going, oh, oh, cramp, cramp, cramp. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk about the flavor a little bit. So, Todd, I have, over the years, kind of craved real pickle juice, right? And Yes. I mean, if the, if the pickles start getting low in the jar, I'll chug the top off the jar. And I, I just go, oh, man. Now, some people can't stand it. Too much vinegar, whatever it is. But yes. I tried tasting this pickle juice product. And it wasn't that strong. It wasn't the kind of, you know, I'm going to choke on vinegar feeling at all. It tasted no. like pickles, but it was yes. milder. It was it was yes. really palatable. I thought it was good. It's not actually brine from the jar. This It's a sports drink that tastes like pickle juice. Huh. So how does it come now? You mentioned a shot, and then you also yes. mentioned a, a, a bigger... Yes, you can get it in a bunch of different... You, I get it in the... Um, the 12, two and a half ounce bottle, which is the pickle juice shot, which is the concentrated version. Um, then they have eight ounce bottles and 16 ounce bottles. Now the, uh, the eight ounce bottles I take with me and put in my drop bags to refill my, um, my, uh, water bottle and the, the two and a half ounce bottles, they're good to keep because it's the concentrated version. If you're in dire need, uh, to give you a little story at a uh, 50 K last year, I was running, I was leapfrogging with a gentleman and I came upon him and he was all hunkered over. He was bent over. And I said, here, drink this. And he's like, what is it? And I said, it's, it's pickle juice sport. It will help you. And he's like, what's it taste like? I'm like, it tastes like pickles. You'll be all right. And he's like, you sure? And I'm like, yeah. So he drank all of it. And I told him, I said, give it a little bit. It'll work. Uh, half mile down the, the trail. I hear on your left. <laughs> here he comes here he came 
flying. And he passed me, and he finished way ahead of me. And I crossed the finish line, and he was there waiting for me. And he's like, you saved my race. You know, it was awesome to help him. It was his first 50K. Um, for me, it was a training run for my for my 100-miler. So I didn't care. I don't care if anybody passes me. I don't care where I, I really finish. I'm just, I'm just happy to be able to, to finish these ultras. But being able to do them cramp-free is another plus. Oh, yeah. Well, how can people find pickle juice? Um, www.picklejuice or picklepower.com. 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 You know what I'm going to do? I don't actually struggle with cramping too much, but when I go out to climb a 14er or do one of the longer days like that, I mean, sometimes we're doing a 15 mile day, but we're going up to 14,000 feet, you know, so it can be pretty strenuous. And it, it gets pretty wearing. I'm going to take some of this with me next time so I can try it out and see what it does for me. Because I have a suspicion that even if you don't have a kind of cramp that's, you know, trying to shut you down, that muscle tension and stuff like that is still a problem that this might be able to address. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to be a runner to drink this stuff. If you, if you suffer from leg cramps while you're sleeping, you can drink it. You know, you don't have to be a, an ultra athlete to drink you know, pickle juice. Um, this stuff works for everybody. Hmm. Cool, man. So Todd, I almost forgot, but you've got a great blog here. It's toddzillaruns.wordpress.com. And that's with a Z for Zilla, Toddzilla Runs. Tell us about your blog a little bit. When I sat down to, to type these, my blog up, you know, I wanted, my purpose was not to brag that I can do this. My purpose was to show you that anybody can do it. I mean, you're going to have setbacks, you're going to have struggles, but be able to push through and keep on going. That's my story. I mean, that's, and I'm going to continue on now because I, I, I read it. I'll sit down and I'll read my blog. I mean, <laughs> and it gives me motivation to keep on going. My blog's out there for you to get inspiration on, and I hope that's what it does. It has my very first 50K. It has my struggles to my 100-mile finish, and it has my 50-miler finish that I did two weeks after my 100-miler. So I hope you enjoy it. It looks awesome. There are lots of great pictures on here, as well as plenty of text and stories about about running. And so, if you know, listeners, if you want to be inspired, take a little while to go through Todd's blog here. I think his story can inspire others to get out and do stuff too. So once again, that's toddzillaruns.wordpress.com. Cool, man. Thank you. Well, hey, we're about out of time here, Todd, and it's been fun to talk with you. But do you have one inspirational story that you can share with us to kind of round things up? My inspirational story to tell everybody is no matter your size, your weight, your age, Get out there and do it. If you believe in yourself, you're going to finish whatever you set your mind to finish. Um, for me, it was a 100-miler. Am I going to do a 100-miler again? I'm going to try. Is it going to be this year? Probably not, but I will try <laughs> another 100-miler. Um, so believe in yourself. Just get one foot in front of the other and get out there and enjoy nature, enjoy life. I love it. Yeah, I couldn't have said that any better. I think there's so many benefits to it. Well, man, thank you so much for taking the time to come and share your stories with us today. Thank you, Curtis, for having me. Uh, you bet. And for all of our listeners out there, you know what I'm going to say. Get out there. Have some fun.
Hey, thank you so much for listening today. And if you love the Adventure Sports Podcast, will you please tell your friends? For us, that makes a world of difference. We love it. Thank you very much. Have a great day.